0: Welcome to the St Matt's 6 pm podcast where you can listen to sermons from our evening service
1: uh, So our Bible reading for tonight comes from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through to 19. or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good.
0: Evening, everyone. Uh, don't close your Bibles. Don't close the booklets if you've got those. Open to the Bible passage. I want you to have a look. I've got a question for you. Look at 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19, even just the first few verses. I want you to discuss with the person next to you What stands out to you from those first few verses? Uh, What words or phrases or ideas stand out to you? Is there anything confusing? Is there anything unexpected? What stands out most to you? And I'm going to give you less than a minute. Go. All right. I'll cut those conversations short. What you started doing just then, that's basically how we try to read the Bible every week. We just try to ask a lot of questions and wrestle with it and work out what it means together. Uh, But now I'm going to monologue wrestle with it for you. Uh, I think what stood out most for me was how Peter thinks we should respond when we're mistreated for following Jesus. Peter, just to recap, if, if you've forgotten, Peter is writing to this collection of Christians, almost 2,000 years ago, that are scattered around what is now modern-day Turkey. And they're suffering for following Jesus. It's not life and death, yet, but it's hard. The taunts hurt. The rejection hurts. The insults, the rumors, the loss of business, the family breakdown, it all hurts. And how are they supposed to respond to this suffering? They're supposed to rejoice. That's what it says in verse 13. They're supposed to rejoice. In verse 14, it says, it, Peter says we're blessed when we're insulted. In verse 16, he says we should praise God when we suffer for being Christians. When we suffer for following Jesus, we should rejoice, praise God, consider ourselves blessed think about that he's not saying suffering is enjoyable but it is rejoiceable suffering for jesus is not something to enjoy but it does give us reason to rejoice But rejoice is not a word we use a lot so i think essentially he's saying that when we suffer we have reason to smile really What about the person who on their first day of work gets a preemptive warning from their superior that any sharing of their Christian views will not be tolerated? That person's supposed to smile. That person's supposed to rejoice. What about the person who keeps being regarded with suspicion by family members ever since they started following Jesus? That person's supposed to smile. What about the person who is gossiped about and mocked by friends because they've decided not to have sex unless they're married? What about the the youth at school who is going to be taunted again and again this week because they were at church today? Why would these people rejoice? Why would we smile when following Jesus leads to suffering? That's what we're looking at tonight. I want to acknowledge up front that this message uh, that Peter is giving is is really, really directed at followers of Jesus already. If you are not a follower of Jesus, but you're here tonight, you are so welcome. It's great to have you with us. I just want to encourage you to, to wonder as you hear this, why would someone want to be a follower of Jesus? If there's so much suffering involved, why would someone want to be a follower of Jesus? Let's pray and we'll get into it. God... We thank you so much that a couple of thousand years ago, Peter wrote this down to encourage Christians in Turkey and that it can still encourage us today. We pray that it would be encouraging and that it would help us to follow Jesus and become more like him. Amen. So why would we rejoice when following Jesus just seems like it's making life harder? Our passage actually gives us five reasons why we should rejoice, at least five reasons. Five Reasons to Smile, and that's what we're going to spend most of our time looking at. But before we do that, I just thought it might be helpful to kind of zoom out a bit and think big picture what the Bible has to say about suffering. Our seniors minister, David, said to me this week that for the average Westerner, for the average Australian, suffering is a rude interruption to life. Suffering isn't part of life, it's an interruption to to life that's kind of how we understand suffering but that's not how the bible sees it the bible teaches that our god is a god of love he loves his people and he wants good for us he's not the god of suffering he's the god of comfort psalm 34:17 30, says the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit if you are hurting right now i really want you to hear that god wants to be close to you in everything i have to say from this point i do not want to try and make light of your pain i want to do the opposite Because God has heard the cries of a broken and aching world and his response was to send his son Jesus to live in the world, to suffer for the world, even to die in our world. And in dying in the world, he took the punishment for all our wrongdoing. Every time we caused someone else to suffer, Jesus took the blame for that and he died for it. He died to deal with what causes suffering. And one day, one glorious day, he is going to come back and he's going to remove suffering forever. One day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. One day God will remove suffering. But not yet. He hasn't chosen to remove it yet. Instead, right now, instead of removing suffering, he's choosing to use suffering. In fact, i go so far as to say that for now, suffering is the currency of God's kingdom. My wife's American, and so we happen to have some American cash in a drawer somewhere at home. I'm not saying like it's a whole drawer of cash. That would be cool. That's not what I'm saying. It's like, I don't know, between 5 and $10 of, of random notes and coins that we happen to have lying around. Problem is we haven't been to America in like five years, so it's just been sitting there doing nothing. So maybe I want to spend it, right? I might as well make the most of this money. So I, I take the money, I somehow find it, and I, I wander down to Baker's Delight. I get some of those delicious white chocolate, blueberry, hot cross buns, which I would recommend. And I, I go to pay and I put down the American cash. What happens? <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> I, I think knowing the good people that make us delight, there'd be a polite pause and awkwardness. And then eventually I'd know, sorry, that, that currency is no good here. That money is no good here. If you want to get things done in Australia, you need Australian currency. So what gets things done in God's kingdom? God uses sacrifice. God uses Suffering. And think about it. How did he get his kingdom started? Jesus started the kingdom, not through strength, but through sacrifice, not through comfort, but through a cross. That's how Jesus made it possible for anyone in the world to be saved. He suffered and he died in our place. That's how the kingdom began. And then from then on, Jesus changed the power of suffering. He changed the value of suffering. Now, for followers of Jesus, for citizens of God's kingdom, suffering is still painful. But it can also be productive. It's still bad, but it can have value. It can have meaning. Suffering is not enjoyable, but it's still rejoiceable. I wonder if you've noticed how some of the kindest Christians you have ever met are also the Christians who have suffered the most. God has used suffering to do something amazing in men. The currency of the kingdom is suffering. Or maybe you've even seen it in your own life. Have you noticed how you have so much more empathy and compassion for someone who is struggling with something that you yourself have already struggled with? The currency of the kingdom is suffering and if we aren't willing to suffer we're going to miss out on what god is doing if we won't suffer we won't see god's work but there's a specific kind of suffering that god especially chooses to use in his kingdom god especially chooses to use for his kingdom the kind of suffering that comes from following jesus And that's what Peter's focused on tonight, that kind of suffering. In this passage, Peter gives us five examples of how God can work in and through our suffering for Jesus. He gives us five reasons to smile, five reasons to feel blessed when we suffer for Jesus. So here we go. Number one, when you suffer for Jesus, smile, because it is proving that you are the real deal. Look at verse 12 again. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Why has this fiery ordeal, this suffering, come on them? i put it in blue for you. They're being tested. Peter says it's come on them to test them. Now, when you hear the word test, I'm not sure what word immediately comes to mind for you, but there's a very particular word that comes to mind for me, fail. When I hear test, I think fail. Tests are there to show what we don't know. That's kind of a glass-half-empty way of thinking about it, to be fair, I guess. A test is also a chance to demonstrate what we do know. It's a chance not just to demonstrate our unworthiness, but our worthiness. It's a chance to prove something. And this word for test here that Peter uses, it could have been translated as prove. This could read, the fiery ordeal has come on you to prove you. When the Christians Peter is writing to experience a test of their faith, by staying faithful to Jesus, they are proving that they really are his people. But we're not proving it to God. God already knows our hearts. We're proving it to the world. We're proving it to ourselves. We're proving that we are legit. We're not fair weather followers. We're not playing games. We're for real. When you suffer for Jesus, rejoice because it's a chance to prove that you are real about him. Number two, when you suffer for Jesus, smile. Because you're standing alongside him. Verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Peter says that when we suffer for Jesus, we participate in his sufferings. Which is a bit of a trip because Jesus died once for all on a cross completely alone. So how do we participate with him? I think this this gets pretty heady, but stay with me. I I love this. Uh, Partly, we participate in Jesus' sufferings because we suffer for the same reason. So the world rejected Jesus. The world rejects his followers. We're suffering for the same reason. Partly, we participate in his sufferings because we suffer for the same purpose. Just as God used Jesus' sufferings to grow his kingdom, he can use our sufferings to grow his kingdom but I think Peter is saying something even deeper than this. I think Peter is saying that when we suffer for Jesus, we suffer with Jesus. Think about Peter. If you know his story, think about Peter. Peter is the guy that told Jesus, I would never deny you. And then he does it again and again that same night before the rooster even has a chance to crow. Remember how he he left Jesus to die alone. That was Peter's story. But now, regardless of past mistakes, for Peter and for any other follower of Jesus, when we choose to suffer for Jesus, when we accept it, when we embrace it, when we rejoice in it, we get to do what we should have done the first time. We get to suffer with him at last. We're counted worthy to stand with him in his sufferings. I'm not saying that I want to suffer, but man, I want to stand alongside Christ. I want to rub shoulders with him in battle. If I must bleed, let it be in his army. Let it be beside him. Number three, when you suffer for Jesus' smile, Because glory is coming. Verse 13 again, the rest of it. Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You know the sports fans I respect the most? Fans of bad teams. I'm going to shout out if you go for a bad team. All right. Not as many as I... Right, some of you do, you just don't want to accept it. You do. But the fans I really, really respect are the fans that go for long time bad teams. That is really impressive. Anyone? Yeah, all right. Is it the same team? Probably. Okay, we'll find out later. All right. It's hard to go for a long time bad team. And some fans quit... Or they switch to a better team. But one day, one glorious day, hopefully, (laughs) that long-time bad team is going to have its moment and it will be glorious for the fans that stuck with them. But for the fans who quit, not so much. Believe me when I say... The joy of the most die-hard sports fan will be nothing before the joy of those who once stood by their king in his suffering when they at last get to stand beside him in his glory. Rejoice now because that day will come. Number four, when you suffer for Jesus, smile because God is close to you. Verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you are insulted because of your allegiance to Jesus, God's spirit rests on you. In the Old Testament, there is this word. It's my favorite word in the Old Testament. It's it's the word chesed. Will you do that? Chesed. Oh, I heard the chah. I heard a chah. Let's try again. Chesed oh Hebrew scholars great job all right It's the word used to describe how God shows love to his people sometimes it's translated as abiding love or steadfast love or unfailing love but I had this professor in Bible college and she always translated it as covenant loyalty I just always thought oh wow where to take the emotion out of it like, oh what a dry way to translate love covenant loyalty but over like the last 10 years that translation has just been stuck in my brain and i've been learning to love it more and more and more god is loyal god is more loyal than we can comprehend the whole old testament is a story of his loyalty to people that don't deserve it And if we are loyal to Him in that small way when we suffer, if we're loyal to His Son, rejoice. Because there is no way He will abandon you. He will be with you in that moment. Rejoice when you suffer for Jesus, because in that moment, God is close to you. Number five. When you suffer for Jesus, smile. Because you're being purified. Verse 16 sort of repeats what we've seen so far. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So far, so good, I think. But then it gets really complicated in verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Peter just said judgment is coming for God's people, for his household. I think, Hang on, wait, didn't Jesus already like, take the judgment for us? What's going on here? Essentially, I think Peter is saying that when Christians suffer for following Jesus, when they experience testing, when they experience proving, they're also undergoing a purifying. The fire that tests and reveals their quality is also burning off impurities as it refines them. So that over time, what is left is 100%, 24 carat. It's pure. Over time, in that heat, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the judgment on God's household. But if that process can be painful for Christians... It's nothing compared to what is in store for those that haven't committed to Jesus. It's, it's easy to demonize those who oppose Christians, to make it an us and them. But we're not called to hate. We're not called to revenge. We're not called to judge or condemn. God's judgment is coming regardless. But before that day, While we are here for now, we are called to do good for those who oppose Jesus because they need people to share the gospel with them too. Peter doesn't tell us just hang in there, rejoice and wait until everyone else experiences their judgment. No, he says in verse 19 that as we go through suffering for Jesus, we should commit ourselves to our faithful creator the one who is really in charge of the world and continue to do good. Continue to hold out love, hold out peace, hold out the hope of Jesus so that others can know Him, know what it is that makes us smile even on the darkest day and know how they can be spared from what is to come. I want to finish with in prayer with these words from an old song that some of you might be old enough to know as well Lord God purify our hearts let them be as gold and precious silver purify our hearts let them be as gold, pure gold refine as fire our hearts one desire is to be holy set apart for you Lord We choose to be holy, set apart for you, our maker, ready to do your will. When the fire comes, when we suffer for the name of your son, help us to remember what you're doing. Give us the courage to stand in that moment and give us the courage to smile. For our king, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon For all the details check out our website at stmatts.org.au. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.